0: Welcome to the Thought Leader Podcast. I'm Dr. Kent. And I'm Randy Baker. And today we've jumped on our
1: virtual airplane. In fact, two of them, one from Austin, one from the middle of Pennsylvania. And we've gone all the way to Northern California, and hunt down Jeffrey Lucas. And that was no mean feat, Jeff, because Jeffrey doesn't have a website.
0: But it was no mean feat. Uh, And I think you just called me Jeff. That's that's how much Jeff is on your mind. Did I call you Jeff? I think so, But, but see, that's good because Jeff's also on my mind. This conversation has a few key ingredients. Ingredient number one, take a deep breath, grab a glass of water, a glass of wine, take a half hour and just chill. Maybe have a notebook, jot down a few notes, but this one is different because, as I like to say, Jeffrey's arcs in his conversation are a little bit longer, and so it's almost like listening to a great courses, or something like that. Really seeing an arc of a, an argument and a story, and I, I really enjoyed this. Can we talk about all things health
1: related so if you're a healthy person this is going to be very interesting to you if you're an unhealthy person it's going to be very interesting to you
0: so (laughs) so if you're unhealthy what (laughs) listen up if you're healthy listen up (laughs) yeah so uh here's the interview with jeffrey jeffrey lucas Great to see you, Jeffrey. I have to say uh, your background is pretty awesome as backgrounds go. So let's start there. What, what is, and I mean literally the physical background behind you that the listeners can't hear, but you can also talk about your background in business. Uh, but let's start with that background behind you on, on the wall.
2: Yeah, that is an Amazon purchase. It's a vinyl backdrop that has everybody thinking I'm in New York City with a backdrop
0: love it i love it Yeah, it, 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 you it know, gives space right I, yeah. it it makes it feel yeah right so it, it reminds you of of your other office in a new york city skyscraper
2: well in in the san francisco city skyscraper which is actually nice. where i started uh, my career with with ibm
0: so Washing windows with IBM outside the skyscraper, kind of dangling down on a... a yeah, right, right, right. I was the outside... Filet line.
2: Right, right. Wanting to get in.
0: <laughs> yeah. So where did you get your start? How did how did it all happen?
2: Well, actually, I graduated from UC Berkeley. I was an econ major. Actually, as an aside, I played rugby there. So it gave me that sort of competitive edge that I hope to have demonstrated throughout my career. And then I... I landed a job with IBM back in the day when it was uh, sort of the place to be. And I was in downtown San Francisco, actually started out in retail, you know, and had companies like uh, Macy's and the Gap and actually took the Gap into the new generation of point of sale systems, because back in the day, that's what retail was looking at, was going into automation, going into data capture, going into point of sale. So that was their sort of transformation. And then I was given some healthcare accounts. I actually ended up in Austin, Texas. I was the, the manager of all of the state accounts, and that included the State Department of Health, also the University of Texas Health System, which is a you know one of the globally known health systems. So I, and it was back in the day, this was the back in, in the mid 80s, late 80s, and, and what IBM had to, and IBM was great at selling right? They were great at understanding the industry. So I was in a company that was striving to understand healthcare and, but all we had to sell was mainframes. And so you'd go in and talk to, you know, a health system. What do you want? You tried to define the needs. So I've always sort of been in the thought leadership of where is this industry? Where are we going? It was early on to me, it was electronic medical records because they were all, all manually charted, documented so well, I, I just, I got the bug for healthcare. I've always been wanting to, trying to be positioned to be in an area or a position where I could solve big problems. Big problems have always been something I've, like, maybe it's the econ major from Cal that that got me thinking big. And then I ended up, you know, leaving IBM, moving back. I was in Texas, Austin, Randy, where you are, back in a different day, but you know, when I came back to the Bay Area and I ended up landing a job with Digital Equipment Corporation. And guess what? I was given healthcare because they saw my background. So I had Stanford, I had I had a team of people we were selling into into healthcare. But again, this was, you know, Point Solutions, VAX. Uh, Vex, the digital equipment platform had vendors like Meditech. And, and and they were they were building the solutions on our platform. But we, as a company, weren't really focused on healthcare, and so I I started an initiative to get the company to realize healthcare is big. We need to staff it. We need to support our vendors. So we we actually galvanized uh, healthcare as a vertical in deck, and they put one of the executives, Willowshire, as head of that. And then I got recruited to Oracle. And Oracle, same thing. They saw my background, and you know, I was the first healthcare branch manager, and. I guess when I come into a place, I want to see how do we, you know, how do we change things? And and Oracle was really not even present in healthcare. Sybase was, because they had the database that would scale. It was being used by companies like Kaiser, et cetera, et cetera. And Oracle had just, you know, enhanced their, their database architecture. So I went out and I started to knock on the doors of a Kaiser. Uh, there were a number of solutions out there that were side And I put a team of people together that we went out, we opened the doors at Kaiser. Kaiser started looking at Oracle. I got the company to commit to some initiatives which started us changing out Sybase. You know, they had the stored procedures, but the net of it was that, you know, it was selling technology again. And I was always about selling solutions. So... I always embraced our partners. And then I got a knock on the door, actually a telephone call from SAIC, Science Application International. And many people don't know about that company, but it is, it it was at the time, a $4 billion systems integrator. They had built the military's healthcare system, which even today is the largest globally deployed healthcare system. And it was, uh, you know, Capturing clinical data. So it was a precursor to electronic medical records. And medical, electronic medical records were finally starting to appear. Companies like Epic like Cerner. So what SEIC wanted me to do is to come on board and develop, build out their commercial health care. Well, I saw a company that had a qualification for building from scratch a billion dollar project that took 10 years. So I, I jumped on that opportunity, and I was given all the commercial health care. Kaiser was obviously the big dog. So I went after Kaiser, and I put in place a plan. How do, how do I get our company, SAIC, positioned, sort of a no-name company, and be recognized in Kaiser's world? Well, at that time, Kaiser had just brought on a new CIO. His name was Tim Sullivan. Still a very good friend of mine today. He's actually working with me on my latest project, which is Vital E Care, which hopefully we'll talk about. So, anyway, what we did at Kaiser, because Tim came in, he came from banking. And you see this in healthcare all the time people from the outside coming in. Very few of them succeed because they think they can knock this creature down. And this is a very ominous creature, healthcare. You have to get in, you have to understand it. Tim did one of the best jobs I've ever seen of coming in, looking at the 12 regions, disparate clinical systems and creating a national clinical system, because that was going to bring efficiency to Kaiser, both in hardware, software, you know, cost reduction, but also bringing into one focus all the healthcare data of every patient across the board. So at any point of care that they would be able to have the data. And that's where really healthcare was going. It's trying to get electronic medical records to where data could be captured, but also be captured and presented at point of care. So there's better care and lower costs, right? And so they were going through a selection of electronic medical records. And they actually they actually had Epic Care up in the Northwest, but they were building. They, they had two different initiatives to try and build A electronic medical record system, one in Southern California and one in Colorado. One in Colorado was sponsored by IBM. Um, The other one was a company here, Oceana, in the Palo Alto area. So because I was a systems integrator, I was able to build a relationship, you know, with the understanding that, hey, we could help them because we're agnostic. We don't care. We're all about coming in to help you be successful. And your success is Kaiser's success, and it's our success. So anyway, we went um, through a number of iterations of that. We won the effort as a company. It was a $20 million design effort to build the National Clinical Data Repository. They were, you know, looking at spending money building these electronic medical record systems and then Epic Care up in the Northwest. Well, the, the bottom line is, and I think everybody that knows the history knows that there was a point in time when Kaiser, was like in the late 90s, they disbanded the efforts to build those electronic medical record systems. George Halverson came in. They wrote off a half a billion dollars, and they selected Epic Care. Epic Care, I mean, it, it's, it's fundamentally good. I went and saw it when it was early in its day. Um, I, I heard what the clinicians' comments were about it. But from an architecture standpoint, it's built on inter-systems mumps. The challenge there is it gets locked into an architecture and it can't do things that are more future-leaning. You know, things like what we're doing with Vitaly Care, which is really taking the the power of, of patient data with interoperability and now moving it into a platform that we're going to build that gives patients, families, all the care providers in the care continuum access to all that information that has heretofore been locked up. Then after that, was, I was recruited to a company called iNomad. iNomad was probably and still is the, the, the platform still out there it was a it was an electronic medical record for hematoma or hematology oncology specifically cancer. And it was it was a company started by Don Simborg. And if anybody knows healthcare, Don Simborg is the godfather of Statlin He was the founder of iNomad, and I I was honored to be recruited by him and the team to go work there. And actually, the the, the team of people I ended up working with, because we were building an electronic medical record system for oncology, which we could actually take protocols of care and embed them in the platform. So that oncology practice took the books that had the guidelines that they had to open up and read to then chart your course of cancer treatment over six months. We put that into an online environment that you could select that, it deployed it into a calendar, and that was one of my inspirations for why we're doing what we're doing today. Not only that, two of the people that were on that team are now part of my team at Vital Care. So I've, I've been fortunate to work with some very smart people, much smarter than me, that have been fortunate enough to tell the story of what we wanted to go do and have them come on board.
0: So let me break in there, because I think that's a perfect thing for my side of the shop, which is you are a talker. You are a storyteller. You are Mm -hmm. clearly the front man who can sweet talk folks. So I'm curious, you know, when you you were, I guess, about three, kind of, waddling around your parents or running around outside your, your parents' house and everything else, were you already a talker? Or what, was, what, did, what did things look like for you?
2: Well, yes, I guess. I,
0: a raconteur, I guess, is the well, a good, yeah.
2: <laughs> and, and maybe this is a good thing or a bad thing. But they said, Jeff, I think you're going to end up being a lawyer. So that maybe is a good thing. I don't know. But yeah, I, I could talk. My father could talk. We, we're a family of storytellers. Um, but thank you for pointing
0: that out <laughs> and what's interesting is i i kind of know the story of epic my father's in medicine and he has various things to think about epic and so on but i so i've i've been interested in a lot electronic medical records and what goes wrong and what goes right and it's it's kind of more of a mess than one would ever think right it's 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 like when it works, it's fantastic, but it's sort of, it's become such a kind of pardon my French kind of shit show in a lot of ways, right? Oh. So what, so I'm curious to ask you what it was like as kind of a pioneer in that space when you were saying, here's what we should do. Here's what perfect compliance might look like and kind of where we are today and where we're headed.
2: Yeah, well, that that's a great question and, and what it looked like to me, because I think I had an incredibly fortunate position, and that was to be at Kaiser, working for one of the top no-name systems integrators that had healthcare experience, and that we were could be agnostic. So I wasn't in love with, you know, Epicare or IBM. But I got to stand back and look at what is what is it we're really driving to try and accomplish, and who can get there first, which was to be able to pretty effectively and seamlessly capture an episode of care, right? Because, you know, as you go into the doctor and they do their thing, they've got a chart. One of the biggest challenges always was when you go in and the doctor's looking at the terminal, entering data while he's talking to the patient. And so we were, you know, it's like that unfortunately has to happen for the data to be captured. But the patients were like, I want, where's my personal connection? Are you listening to me? So those were, I mean, there were a lot of those kinds of issues, the touchy-feely, what's happening to my, you know, healthcare experience. But it's what we had to tell the providers is, in order for you to get the data, it's going to give you insights into ongoing care, deciding evidence-based protocols. You've got to put the time in. Because, you know, that's the only way. And I think, you know, in a lot of ways, the providers have been sort of the, the prisoners, you know, because the business wants that data captured and the providers are the ones that want to do doctoring, that they end up sitting there. I mean, I'm, when I say providers, I mean nurses, too, because they, they'll complain as much <laughs> as the doctors because they have a huge burden of, of applying their time. To that effort, right? But everybody, I mean, in, in the scenario, you know, we we, we, ha- we now have 75 90% saturation of electronic me- medical records deployed. And that's because the government put money on it back in the, you know, 2010-ish, you know, where you got paid to implement EHRs. And then you had all sorts of EHR companies pop up and people were, you know, getting paid to implement an EHR, which may or may not still be there. But the fact is, we're at that point. Now, it hasn't gotten any better. It has not gotten any better. And that's why, right now, the whole interoperability, the 21st Century Cures Act, which I've read from front to back, which is all of the policy setting for the future, which is your data, you can't, you, Randy, as a patient, you have access to that. Your provider cannot tell you no. And I know a number of providers that want to tell you no. Cause they feel like if they keep your data and don't give it to you, they can continue to own you. That's not where we want healthcare to go. Because what's happening is can't you, Randy, me, we all want to be consumers. We want to be, you know, we want to take care of our own healthcare. We want it, we want to own it. We want to be empowered. And and so we need the data. We need to have that shared with our families. We need to be making decisions now. There's this whole price transparency, which effectively July one, everybody had to sh- had to post the costs of a surgery of an episode of care, and this this is all being enforced on industry. And guess what? They don't like it. Epic Care does not like this because it's poking a hole. Or breaking a breaching the dam where they're holding back all the water, all the data in their environments, they have control. Now, guess what? A platform like e Care, which is going to bring that data across the line through companies like One Up Health, and all of a sudden, we're putting it in a much more future leaning platform. That the data is going to surround the patient and give all the providers access to that same information up to date. So, we're making better choices. But but the bottom line of all that folks is the data that we're capturing in our platform also is the data that the patient captures every day on my meal, my exercise, my my heart rate, my blood pressure. That's data, which we call patient generated health data, but big EMRs they're not captured. They're not architected. They were architected for the nineties. And now we're we're architecting for the
1: So, Jeffrey, I've been involved in pretty much every industry this world has seen, except for health and education. So, I I don't want to go anywhere near health, and I've been here sitting, listening to you and trying to think of an intelligent question to ask, and I think I've probably failed. But I have come up with a question. We don't have to look too far today to see people complaining about the cost of health care, to see people complaining about the cost of insurance, to see people demanding free health care. There's clearly, within American society and worldwide, there's clearly a movement to finding a solution to the cost of health care and provision of health care to those less fortunate. How do you see that progressing and where does vital e care fit into that? And what's in it for me?
2: Wow, that's that's an outstanding question, Randy. Because I think it, it really hits at the matter. And and this is what I think about all the time. How do you make an environment that provides access to care, that patients' information doesn't matter if they're a homeless person or not, if they got a cell phone, can they get it? Can we have them be part of this, right? Can we have you know Nigeria, which I, you know, we have a person on our team from Nigeria, and he, he feels like if we get this done right, we could go there, right? But but here's the problem, right? The cost of healthcare has to come down. We have to, for us to make it healthcare for everybody, we have to have a much more efficient environment for everybody to, to join in, and and take part, and maybe be empowered to do their own care so that we're not bombarding clinics because that's really where, I mean, you, you think about the cost of care. It's mostly the the percent of people that are high utilizers, the chronic diseases. You know, they're the ones that, you know, that constantly are in there because they're not monitoring their A1C or their blood pressure gets out of hand and, and the family doesn't even know it. And all of a sudden they're in the ER and they don't have health insurance, you know, and, and, and that's where, you know, that's where the healthcare you know delivery system is currently that's okay with them i mean they won't tell you that but they're making money somebody's paying for that what we have to do is 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 really position the providers the healthcare the knowledge workers to be more powerful at the, at disseminating their their health direction their their to their patients to their population and give them tools where they can feel like I'm now, I'm part of the solution. I'm able to create a protocol of care for diabetes that that's in conjunction with the CDC and and that it's I tweak it. Now I'm going to give my patients, and then the other doctor says, Oh, that's great, I'll I'll enhance that. But how do you get that information to that patient and then also to that family? Because here's the thing with vital e care. This is one of our strongest points. It's not only will we have the most comprehensive health profile, which we call SPHERE, which is called, which is, stands for Secure Personal Health Electronic Resource Exchange. Because that's what we do. Because every health, every piece of health data is a resource. So we're we're going to get it all. All of your health records, your patient-generated health data. But we're also going to be able to have family members. That patient can authorize the family members. So let's take an example. Let's take me. I have a family history of heart disease. My father passed away after an open-heart surgery at the age of 56. And my younger brother, who had a massive heart attack six years ago, there's a family health history therefore, and And so I have to be concerned about it. But now if I have my and, – and I'm doing all the things I'm wearing – you know aura rings, I'm um, I want to capture all that. I want to see this I want I want to be the best at managing my own care. Not only that, my children at some point in time will be involved with that. So when they're gonna be able to see my health records and my history and and what I'm doing and be part of helping me, they're gonna understand guess what their their health history is my health history. You better start thinking about your cholesterol, your high blood pressure. Um, all these things that that the doctors are going to send me information on, that they're going to review to make sure they're hearing what the doctors telling me, and then they're probably going to have some aha moments, like wow, let me get let me get ahead. Of this. And that's Randy. Back to your, you know. But if we don't have an environment where this can happen seamlessly, good luck. Does that make sense?
1: It does, and I love that last sentence if we don't have an environment where that can happen seamlessly. And I'm, I'm, I I'm, look at myself and I'm at the age I am and I've got medical records in Australia and in England and in the US and none of them are connected. And, you know, in California and now Texas and none of them are connected and it's painful. So, yeah, yeah and that adds cost. Everything adds cost. So right. I, I love right. the idea of having all that data available from multiple different sources. It's awesome.
2: Yeah. You know, I I use this term empowered, engaged, right? Because you hear this a lot. And you hear person-centered care. I have a definition for those. Empowering means, Randy, you get all that. You get all your health information. You're on top of it. Now you're the director of who gets to see it, right? And then it's it's the engagement which a lot of vendors out there that we look at as quote competition and they have patient engagement and you go you go look at what it is they do. They send you a text reminding you that you need you have a doctor's appointment. That is patient engagement to them. Patient engagement to me is the doctor is able to share what they need to you be you you are engaged with the information you're sharing back with them what's going on with you you're participating you're engaged that's that's a digital engagement we want to build right and then person-centered um, you get me on that soapbox you know where where you know that you, you got a platform out there that checks your a1c and they have some apps around that and they say we're person-centered well you're you're symptom centered you're not person-centered. We are person-centered. We want to bring all that into that person. So Randy, whatever, all your your health symptoms, conditions, problems, those are things that are yours. And when someone looks at you to help you, they want to help you, but they also want to see everything else that's going on. Because, you know, you, you have to really get the whole person and that's where we eventually can deliver you know, better care. And, and now that person doesn't have to be a wealthy person. That, that person could be anybody you know, it, it, across the socioeconomic stratosphere. But what we want to do is look at a person as a human that has health issues. There's information that can be attached to that person that gives anybody that wants to come into their orbit to help them and see that.
1: Uh, I, I really loved you talking about patient engagement by giving a text. I, I literally received an email yesterday and two days prior to that saying, it's time to come in for your annual checkup. You know We care about you. Come in and make an appointment. Come and see us. We, we really care. Yeah. And so then when I go in, I know I know what's going to happen. I'm going to get a clipboard and a pen. And they're going to ask me to list every medication that I'm taking. And I'm going to say, same as I do every time, none. And they're going to say, no, we need to know what medications you're taking. And I'm going to say, none. And they won't believe me. So then we're going to this whole discussion about, no, I'm not taking anything. Then they're going to want to know every medical procedure I've had since I was a baby. Well, and when? Dates. When did you have it done? Well, you know, I've got a few. You know, I've broken bones. And I've had my eyeballs replaced and I've had my appendix taken out and my tonsils taken out twice. Don't ask me when I did that because I don't know. I can't remember. You know, and it's comical. And every time you go and do something in the medical realm, you get asked the same questions. Right. Go in for a broken finger and they're going to ask you for the same list of information that you give your doctor if you're going in for a
0: heart attack. They're gonna say, "Uh, they're gonna say, hey, Randy, uh, are you pregnant, or have you ever planned to?' Be? Oh,
1: that's that's on the form. That's on the form. Are <laughs> you pregnant? When was your last cycle? You know, you name it. They're going to, be, they're going to ask for it, and yeah, it's it's laughable. Uh, yeah, yeah. A, a central place where you can, where me as the patient can say, just look it up on the file. It's all in there.'
2: Right, would right.
1: be hugely yeah. valuable to me.
2: Or how about this, Randy? You know you're going to the doctor. Let's say they're signed up for E Care, or they're not, and say, in order for you to get this information, you need to sign up, and all of it's here. Yeah, it's all. Here. And I can even I can even, you know, authorize you to see it before you see me, and then I know, you as a patient, Randy, would know that they saw it. So you go in, or you, you can even look and see, did they touch it yet? And you go, hey, you haven't even looked at this, and Let's no, I'm so. not. Can
1: can can we tell that they've looked at it? Because if they have to sign or click Absolutely. or something, then yeah. we know.
2: You you as a as a Vitality Care user will know anybody and everybody who came into your environment, what they saw, who touched what data, anytime, anywhere, and that's the control that we believe that patients should have. I mean, you, you talk about. You know, giving that to families like a mother, I've envisioned mothers having that for their children to, you know, the, the kids with asthma or diabetes. And I, I mean, if I was a mother and I'm not, um, but, but knowing many mothers that they would want that because that's really where health care right. is controlled.
0: And it's I know the, the major challenge in healthcare is compliance right Randy's always talking about this as a business analogy like if you're not if nobody's compliant then they're, then they're not going to get healthier but the flip side of the compliance is like doctor if you don't wash your hands I'll get sick right at, on one side or doctor if you don't look at my records how am I going to get better so it's the yeah. it's that beautiful it goes both ways we got to be more compliant and, and you do too
2: well, I it totally you, you don't even know what you just hit on, but compliance. And that is the doctor tells you to go do certain things, because we know if you do that, you get better. How do they know that you're compliant? Right? It's like change your diet, get exercise, do this and this and this, and I'll see you in six months. There's six months of are they doing it? And that's another thing we have in our platform is is it's a it's a care planning and care management tool that involves the family that actually can create your diet, your rest, your exercise, your activity, behavioral health, medications and managing all the specialists you have to go to. And what I just spelled out was dreams. And that's what we're calling this product. It it is actually a project management tool that will help you create and schedule a comprehensive care plan with the data and the details and the timing and who does what. And if you do that, you're compliant. Compliance is one of the biggest things because, you know, even with COVID, listen, with COVID, that's one of the big things that's pushing the healthcare system to now look future where it wasn't as hard, uh, looking as hard then. And here's the thing. You, you can't go in to see the doctor to get your checkup. You miss an appointment, that's a delay in care. That's not compliant. That's risking a health condition getting worse. That's what we talk about when we say compliance. So do the things that you're asked to do, chart it in between the, this visit and next, and let's see how you're doing. Does that make sense?
1: It does, Jeffrey, and unfortunately, we have to be compliant with our producers, so we're going to have to cut this, uh, <laughs> cut this interview down. But I, I'm loving what I'm hearing, and I think, you know, I, I'd love to talk to you more about some of this. So before we, um, before we wrap it up, perhaps you'd like to briefly tell us who you would like to connect with and how they can do that.
2: Um, well, well, obviously, I mean, at this point where we are, we want to connect with the healthcare systems out there that are trying to assess the future. Given that, you know, the whole initiative that Gartner Group is is discovered that, or documented and said, they need to be thinking virtual care, virtual patient engagement. That's the future. So those are the those are the stakeholders we want to hear have hear this message: the insurers, the employers that are self-employed. Uh, the families that want to have lower health care costs and better means of of managing their care right as a family as a person but and also investors we're we're out there right now you know having some very encouraging conversations um because we we believe that we have the right vision we've we've got the right team we know how to execute sometimes that requires funding so that's kind of where i'll leave it
1: Awesome. And how can they? How can these investors with deep pockets connect with you? How can they find you?
2: Well, they can always go to Jeffrey at com and send a message. Perfect. And we soon will have a website. Everything I've described, by the way, we have filed a patent for. So we have a patent pending on all this.
1: Nice. Okay. Well, it's been great talking with you. Gosh, a lot to think about in there. So I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Jeffrey.
2: And I uh, really enjoyed talking with you both.
0: Thanks so much for talking to us, Jeffrey. Really inspiring kind of hearing your positive view of the future and of healthcare. And, and, and despite the just craziness of, you know, Epic and, electronic medical records and how all that's rolling out and nobody feels any control at all i mean i don't it was really fun to hear you know randy hear you talk to to jeffrey in the middle there and, and talk about how simple this all can be
1: yeah it's it's part of the human condition that we make everything really difficult and it just evolves into a difficult thing and here we we found jeffrey who's creating something it takes that difficulty away and creates simplicity and puts the power back into people's hands instead of in the hands of organizations. I, I truly love it. I wish Jeffrey and his team a great deal of success as they raise funding, as
0: they build up their, their business. That's fabulous. To me, it's like um, really good, natural, organic peanut butter you can't beat it all you have to do is take those peanuts crush them up spread them on some bread it's great stuff it's simple but for me there's nothing better than a good peanut don't put anything in it. don't put the spices in it don't put any like hydrogenated stuff in there or chocolate or any of that just give me just straight crushed up peanuts is that a good analogy randy So it's, it's an
1: interesting one but i'm thinking about if you're a peanut farmer <laughs> and you want to build a business around straight peanut butter with nothing in it Mm. and you don't really know where to start or how to build a business, perhaps you should spend five minutes on thoughtpartnergroup.com
0: and fill out our free assessment. It'll only take you a couple of minutes, literally less than five minutes. In fact, if you have a peanut butter sandwich, this is about the amount of time that it should take to eat the sandwich if you properly masticate. You said masticate this. If you properly <laughs> masticate the sandwich, yes.
1: <laughs> and if you are a, a little bit nuttier than that, you could go to crazymba.com
0: and eat your peanut butter sandwich there. Cheers, everybody. Uh, have a great peanut butter sandwich on us. Cheers.